Take our Bibles, if you will, and turn to the book of Daniel, chapter number 2. And we'll begin reading in verse number 1. It is a joy to uh, be back in the house of the Lord tonight, anticipating that which He is uh, able to do. I am certain I have found out that I can't bring revival. Matter of fact, I had not even been close to it in years. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, the Lord might decide to do something. But uh, I have run into Jesus along the way a time or two and here and there. That's what's kept me going. I guess you, in a way you could call that revival. And I've been sent this week to tell you what we began this morning, as we noticed in the book of Daniel, chapter 3, verse 25, uh, the uh, Son of God that's in that fire. We noticed it in Daniel's vision, the one whose kingdom and dominion that would be forever and ever, uh, chapter 7, verse 13 14, and then we noticed he's the Messiah in chapter number 9, verse uh, 25. So, as you shared with me this morning, and I agreed with you that Jesus is in Babylon. And uh, I'll tell you, I'm glad that he is. Uh, he's in Daniel's Babylon 2,500 years ago. Thrills me to know that he could be in my little situation, uh, my little world, whatever I'm going through. And uh, so he has us there as he moved Daniel to Babylon so he could reveal himself to him. And so wherever you're at tonight, if you'll quit looking for the devil and get to looking for Jesus, he'll show up. And uh, I can't tell you what he's going to look like, uh, but I sort of think you'll recognize him when you run into it. Uh, he's got you there to reveal himself uh, to you. And so here in Daniel chapter number 2, with that thought in mind that Jesus is in Babylon, uh, we noticed he was in the movements of Babylon as he took Daniel to where he was. But if you know anything about the book of Daniel, you know that it is a book of mysteries. And uh, so uh, this chapter uh, gives itself to the thought of mysteries. And when we speak of mysteries, we're talking about those unrevealed truths, uh, those hidden truths that are shut up by God and at a point in time in his will, they are revealed. Uh, the mystery of the grace of God, Paul said, was revealed unto him. Uh, the mystery of iniquity, the Bible talks about at the end time, the Antichrist. Uh, the Bible speaks about the, the mystery of godliness, that God was manifested in the flesh. Uh, these are mysteries that man can't comprehend and you can never know. They've got to be revealed. As Jesus said to Simon Peter, Flesh and blood hath not revealed this to thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And so if there's any way that we can ever understand or comprehend the real mysteries of God, it's going to be through God's coming in our direction, as we're going to notice as he comes into Nebuchadnezzar's little world in Babylon, reveals to him the great mystery. And the mystery of all mysteries, as we'll read in this text, is really boiled down to one. And if you can't see this mystery, if you can't understand this mystery, then no other mystery uh, will mean anything to you. 
And so in Daniel chapter number 2, we're going to notice how that uh, Nebuchadnezzar is to see what you and I are to see in our Babylon, in our world, in our system, in our situation. Uh, we are to see the mystery of who is king. That is the, that is the rock-bottom mystery of God revealed to hearts. Who is king? That's what it's all about. Uh, from the time of the creation of this world, way back in Genesis, uh, to the time of which this world will end up, uh, it is the question, it is the mystery, who's running this thing? Uh, who's king of this old world? Who's on the throne? Not only as far as the world is concerned, but individually, every man that comes along. The great mystery of life is, is who's king in your life and in my life. And what uh, God is manifesting, what he is revealing, what he is doing in Nebuchadnezzar's life through Daniel is he is, he is showing him and revealing to him the mystery of who is king. Now let's begin by reading verse number 1. The Bible said in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams. Here we enter into those mysteries. Wherewith his spirit was troubled and his sleep break from him. Then the king commanded to call the magicians and the astrologers the sorcerers, the Chaldeans, for to show the king his dream. So they came and stood before the king, and the king said unto them, I have dreamed a dream. My spirit was troubled to know the dream. Then spake the Chaldeans to the king in Syriac, O king, live forever. Tell thy servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation." And the king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The thing is gone from me. If you will not make known unto me the dream with the interpretation thereof, ye shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made a dunghill. And, of course, they could not, as we read down through verse 13, uh, interpret this dream. They didn't know what the dream was about, and so the king gives the commandment uh, to have the wise men slain. In verse 14, Then Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is this decree so hasty from the king? Then Arioch made the thing known to Daniel. Then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time, that he would show the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, his companions, that they would desire the mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret, that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. He changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. 
He revealeth the deep and the secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee and praise thee, O God of my Father, who hast given me wisdom and might, and hath made known unto me now what he desired of thee. For thou hast made known unto us the king's manner. Therefore Daniel went in unto Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said unto him, Destroy not the wise men of Babylon, bring me in before the king, and I will show unto the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought Daniel in before the king with haste, said thus unto him, I found a man of the captains of Judah that uh, will make known unto the king the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Art thou able to make known unto me the interpretation which I have seen, and the dream and the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, magicians, the soothsayers, show unto the king. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets." And maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed. What should come to pass hereafter? And he that revealeth secrets maketh known unto thee what shall come to pass. But as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have any more than any living, but for their sakes, that shall make known the interpretation to the king, that thou mightest know the thoughts of thy heart. Look down in verse number 36, after he gives the, uh, the dream, now he gives the interpretation. He said, Here's the, this is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee kingdom and power and strength and glory. Wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field, the fowls of the heaven, hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over all. Thou art the head of gold. After thee shall arise another kingdom, inferior to thee, another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth, and the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these shall break in pieces and bruise. He reveals unto the king uh, the four kingdoms, the four world empires, the four kings that shall come. And then he says in verse 44, And in the days of these kings, Shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall not be left to other people but it shall break in pieces and consume all of these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. <laughs> he said, King, there's, there's coming a big king one of these days to set this thing in order. And what this dream and what this mystery and what this vision is all about is about the king of kings that's going to rule all these things. 
And uh, then the Bible said, For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountains without hands, that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God of heaven hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain, the interpretation thereof. So here we have in Daniel chapter number 2, uh, the mysteries of Babylon, the confusing, hard to understand things of this society. And it is here in this mystery, again, that God reveals, God makes known unto Nebuchadnezzar and to Daniel and to his three friends the same thing that he wants you and I to know about the day and age that you and I live in, whether it was past, present, or future. And that is the truth that Jesus always has been king, he is king, and he forever will be king. And if you don't understand that mystery, and you have not yet bowed to that truth, then all of life is going to be confusing to you, and nothing is going to make sense. You don't want to miss this mystery, because if you miss the truth of it, you've missed them all. But if you can see the mystery of who is king and you can bow to it, and you can bow to him, then you'll be able to understand where this thing come from, what's happening now, and where it's going. And I want to say to you, this is the truth. And uh, to you personally, as we look at this Daniel chapter number 2, do you know who the king is? And the question is, where you're at on the job, where you work, who's king? Who's running the show? You say, well, I got a foreman and I got a fellow that owns this. No, 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 you're missing it. They're not king down there. Who's really king on the job? Uh, Let me ask you as far as your home is concerned, your family life. Most of the confusion in the home is because folks hadn't found out who's king there. It's still a mystery to them as to who's supposed to run the show in the home. And then can I say to you, in your personal life, it'll all be shambles. And you look at your loved ones, you look at some of your brothers and your sisters and your kinfolk, and even some of your children. And the big problem in their lives is the fact that they have not yet submitted unto the Lord Jesus and allowed him to be king. Man has struggled with that since time beginning. They're struggling with it now, and they'll continue to struggle with it. But thank God for those. I'm glad in my own life that God unlocked the mystery to me one day as to who was king. And I've been able to view everything through the spectacle of the understanding that God has enlightened me with, that I'm not king, Jesus is king. Thank God. So that's what this mystery is all about. Now, three things that I want to point out to you concerning the mystery of Babylon and how we can see Jesus even in the mysteries, even in the confusing things, even in the veiled things and the dark things. I want, to know, I want you to notice with me, first of all, earlier on in these verses, especially 1, 2, and 3, 
the, the first key to this mystery of being able to understand who is king is you've got to know, first of all, who is not king. Who is not king. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, for the first time in his life, he has reigned uh, on the throne uh, in Babylon where Daniel has been brought and he has used his power and his influence to capture many nations and many kingdoms. And he's pretty sure that he's king. And that he's supreme on the throne and that he's got it all figured out. As a matter of fact, to be the king of Babylon was to be recognized as a deity and even as a god. But on this night, God enters into Nebuchadnezzar's mind, into his sleep. He stirs him up as he begins to let him realize that even though he does sit on a human throne, it is a temporal throne. And even though he does contain certain powers, they are human powers. And that when it comes down to it, he needs to realize that even though he's there, he's not really king of this situation. Now, man thinks he is. Every man struggles with this one issue. Every woman that is born into this world has to come to the crossroads of their life as to who's going to run the show. And I'm going to tell you something, as long as you're running the show, as long as you're pushing the buttons, as long as you're pulling the levers, as long as you think that you're in charge, you're living in a time of confusion and misery. And it's not until you come to the realization of who you really are, do you know who you really are, he confronts him with that, with this vision and with this dream. What he does is he comes into Nebuchadnezzar's life and first of all, he brings some things that are irrational and uh, some things that are confusing. Verse 1 of chapter 2 said, the, After having this dream, his spirit was troubled and his sleep break from him. Uh, he's, he's, he's become irrational. He, for the first time, he is facing something that, that has gotten a hold of him, but he can't turn loose from. Uh, he, he wakes up the next morning wrestling with this in his mind, and he's saying, I, I just can't understand it. I had a dream last night. And, and of course, he had much of a dream. He had a dream of everything from, the, from that moment to, to eternity was enfolded in that dream, and, and he knew it was something big. And the first time he realized that night that there's something bigger than the world that he's a part of. There's something bigger than the throne that he sits on. There's something happening in this world that I really have never comprehended nor understood, and I'm troubled. <laughs> what a blessing it is when folks get to the place that they realize that this thing's bigger than what they can comprehend and understand. Uh, things that will cause them to lose sleep. 
Something that'll come up that they can't figure out. It doesn't have rhyme nor reason. Uh, He knows that there's something there, but he can't figure it out. (laughs) I love to look into a sinner's eyes when he gets confused, don't you? He said, preacher, I just don't know what's happening to my world. I don't know what's taking place. He's getting in a good shape. God's causing him to realize that he's not king. He'll bring some circumstances and situations to where he's not able to understand or to comprehend something bigger than himself. It has to happen or he'll never know that he's not king. And he'll go through life trying to run the show of his life until it's too late. I notice that not only are things irrational, but things become irritable. Uh, Not only can I not sleep, but he's so upset. In verse number 5, he said, If you can't tell me the answer to this thing, I'm going to get downright mean. And I'm going to tell you, if the the king's in a bad way, uh, nobody's happy if he's not happy, that's for sure. And he he lays out the decree in verse 13, that all the wise men are going to be slain. (laughs) He's not only facing things that are irrational, he's facing things that are irritable. Reminds me of old-fashioned, Holy Ghost, heaven-sent conviction. When God begins to work in a man's heart and show him that he's man and only man, and he's not king of the situation, and he's going to lose control of everything, it brings so much misery, it'll make him mean. But thanks be unto God for his goodness that will bring us, the Bible said, to repentance. Thank God for Holy Ghost conviction that'll let you know who you really are. Mean and nasty and low down. You've got to figure that out before you can figure anything else out. You've got to start with you. <laughs> and if you ever get you ironed out, honey, you won't have any problem with what God's trying to show you. Amen. And he makes things not only irrational and irritable, but he makes things impossible. Uh, verse number 7, they, they tell him, verse, uh, verse 6, verse 7, they say to him, you know, Uh, Give us the dream, verse 4. Give us the dream and we'll show you the interpretation. Again, in verse number 7, they said, Let the king tell his servants the dream and we'll show you the interpretation. Uh, they, They answer in verse number 10. They said, There's not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. They said in verse 11, It's a rare thing that the king inquired. There's none other that can show it before the king. In other words, they said, King, you're for the first time in your life, you're in an impossible situation. What you're wanting, you can't do. And what you're desiring, no man can do for you. You're going to have to get to the gods or gods or somebody because this cannot be figured out on the human level. Blessed day when God let something get out of your control to where you realize that you're not God, you're not king, and you're man and not much of that because you can't, you can't figure it out, you can't fix it, uh, you, you can't do anything about it. You ever had anything come into your life like that? 
not only as a sinner, but thank God as God's children, from time to time he has to remind us, you're not king in the situation. You think you're in control, but you can't even figure it out. And so he, he comes to the conclusion, you're just... You're just a man. That's, that's all. He got in Nebuchadnezzar's mind. I'm glad the day he got in my mind, aren't you? And got into my heart. I think about this old world, how cocky it is. Thinks it knows everything, can do everything. But man seems to want to impress us with his abilities and his strengths and his gifts and his thrones and his power and his kingdom and his gold and his silver and his gods. And it's no different now than it's ever been. In hearts. Woe be unto those who think they are king. And praise God for those whom he has shaken loose and let them realize... Though they may not know who is king, they found out they're not. <laughs> and if you can ever find out you're not, you'll go to seek and find out who is. You'll want to know. So the first key to this, this mystery of the king, the unfolding truth about the king. Can you see that? That's what that old chapter is about. Is there's coming another king. The first thing about it is you've you got to have this realization of who is not king. But the second thing that is very important about this mystery that is unveiled in Daniel chapter number 2 is this. You've got to know who it is that determines who's king. You've got to recognize the one who sets kings up and takes them down. You've got to be able to see who is the one, who is the one in charge of the throne. And so after he comes to this realization, after he gets a little insight as to who he is, Nebuchadnezzar does, Daniel steps into the picture and begins to speak unto Nebuchadnezzar, begins to talk to Nebuchadnezzar. And he brings him to a recognition, to an understanding of who it is that uh, controls this position of who's king. Now we got to recognize that. In verse 21, he says, And he changeth, talking about God, the times and the seasons, he removeth kings, and he setteth up kings. Uh, he tells Nebuchadnezzar, he lets him know, he, he brings to his attention the God of all mysteries. Now, I don't know that before this uh, confrontation of this mystery in Daniel chapter number 2, I don't know that Daniel's had the occasion to really in detail talk to the king about the king. Uh, the reason being is, is uh, you don't really want to mess with a man who thinks he's king. He's not ready and willing to hear anything else. He's so soaked up or she's so, uh, so caught up with themselves. You, you can't just go out here and talk to anybody uh, about the king as long as they think they're king. 
I remember going to visit a man one time, the first church I ever pastored, and his wife was a good Christian lady. Or his son uh, had been saved at the church, and they'd been faithful over the years that I'd pastored there. So I, I went by to visit with him, and I said to him, Sir, I come to talk to you about the Lord, and, and I come to tell you that Jesus died for you, and I, I come to tell you that uh, your wife's saved, your son's saved, you don't want to leave this world without being saved also. You need the Lord. And he just looked at me, point blank. And he said, I'm a good man. I work hard. I provide for my family. I don't know what you're over here aggravating me about. And the moment he said that, the Holy Ghost shut me up and said, let him alone. And I turned and I walked off. You say, why, preacher? There's no need me trying to convince a man of something that God hadn't convinced him of yet. You don't run him, run into the presence of a king and tell him he's not king. He'll cut your head off. But if you'll just wait until God's wrestled with him all night long, spun him around two or three times, made him as confused as a termite and a yo-yo, you might be able to go and talk to him a little bit. But the only thing you need to tell him is he needs to recognize who God is. There's this recognition for the first time as to who God is, who's in charge of kings, and who's in charge of kingdoms, who's in charge of how long they remain king, who's in charge of all of this might and all of these armies. And of course, he, he lets him know this. He, he tells him. He said, that it is God that raised you up, and it is God that gave you your power. It is God that set you on the throne. God did all of this. And so he not only in this mystery has a, a, a realization of who's not God, he, he has a recognition uh, or of who's not king, he has a recognition uh, of who sets up the king. He's telling him about God. Now there's uh, two or three things that he tells him about God. He causes him to recognize God. If you'll notice it with me, first of all, again in verse... Uh, verse number 37, verse number uh, 38. He tells him about the God who orders things. He said, this is the dream. We will tell the interpretation there before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom and power and strength and glory. Wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the fields, the fowls of heaven, hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them. Thou art his head of gold. He said, King, God has ordered all of this. I need for you to realize that and recognize that. He said, By the way, King, I've been meaning to talk to you about somebody. I've been meaning to tell you about Jehovah God and how that God is the one who made you the temporal king and gave you the power and gave you all... Do, do you realize that tonight? Sometimes we, we think there is virtue in mentality or in strength or in capabilities or in height or in speed or whatever it is, but honey, there's no virtue in any of that. What you are tonight, God made. And what he gave you, he can take away any time that he wants to. Man has to understand that. You've got to realize that you're not king, but you've got to realize that God's the one that gave you and made you everything you are. And if you don't realize that, you're going to go through life confused 
with all the mysteries. He said, I don't mean to burst your bubble, but, oh, king, you're not the one really in charge here. God is in charge. He orders things. Then he lets him know in verse number 28 that he oversees things. He said, there's a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. He said, he knows our tomorrows. He knows our times. Uh, he knows all the hidden and secret things about us and around us. He said, God knows that. He is omniscient. He not only orders things, but he oversees things. But you know, one of the great things about God that, he, that I notice in this chapter that he points out uh, really rubs man raw. Uh, man gets upset when we tell man that God is a God not only that orders things and oversees things, but he's a God that opposes things. Now, we live in a society where we want everybody to think that God's just a loving God and he loves everybody and no matter how you live and what you do and all that other stuff, just don't worry about it. He loves you and if there is a heaven, he'll take you there. And we want to take our gospel, we want to take our Jesus in this day and, and make it acceptable to society so we'll take him and stand him in the corner and wipe the blood off from him, put a smile on his face and say, you know Jesus loves everybody. Well, I'm here to tell you, he's also a God that opposes some things. You say, well, who does he oppose? I'm here to tell you tonight, Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar, the last thing you want to be when the king shows up is king yourself. You don't want to run around with a little crown on your head and a scepter on your, in your hand when Jesus shows up because he said when the final king gets here, he's going to crush all the kingdoms of this old world. Any man, woman that will stand in the face of God Almighty and say, I'm running my own life, I'm going to do my own thing, I'm king in my world, is asking for big trouble. Well, I'm going to tell you, it's not going to be love that comes your way. It's going to be judgment. He is a God that opposes things. It's amazing how God is brought to the forefront in the attention of this king that has never known him. Daniel says, listen, you need to know you're not king, and you need to know that he's the one that sets them up and takes them down. You need to know that. Need to know that. I was thinking about uh, my dad when he was... Uh, I don't even know that I was born. I've been told about it, and of course I know where the building is. But I, I remember an old timer I went by to visit several years ago that knew the Lord. And he said, son, let me tell you something peculiar about your dad. They called him Foxy. Drank about all of his days. He said, I went by, me and my wife, my wife told me, said, uh, uh, Catherine, which was my mother, said she, she's had a baby. They come home, said, let's go by and see him. And he said that we went by and she went in to visit with your mama and said your daddy was across the road uh, laying block on a building. He said, I'd already heard what he was building over there, which was a beer joint. 
And he said, I just hollered out the window and I said, Foxy, what are you building? <laughs> You'd have known my dad. He said, I'm a building a church. <laughs> I don't know if he'd ever been in church in his life. And uh, he said, I said to him, yeah, I bet you are. And said, he cussed real big and said, that's what I told you, wasn't it? I'm building a church. <laughs> I don't know whether he's making scoff or what. It's only a year or two after that he got in a squabble in that building, killed a man, lost the building, lost everything he had. And guess what that building's been ever since then, except for two years? You guessed it. It's a church right now. <laughs> Honey, it'd do you well to learn at a young age that God's in control of this thing. And to submit to his authority, to his power. The mystery of the ages is who's king. You gotta find out you're not. You gotta find out God's in charge of making kings. And then the last thing I want you to notice in our text in this matter of the mystery, that's what the mystery is all about. It's about who's, who's king. Not only did we see that that uh, realization that you're not king, the recognition of who sets kings up, but we also see the revelation of who really is king in our text. The revelation of who really is king in the situation. Now, if we look back at our text, uh, again down in verse number 44, He's talked about those four kingdoms. And then he said, now in the days of these kings, <laughs> God's going to set up his kingdom. Of course, you can't have a kingdom without a king. And uh, we've already read in uh, Daniel's dream and revelation, because we can see it in chapter 4 and chapter 7 throughout the book of Daniel. We know, who this, who, we know who's going to be the king on the throne of this kingdom. And he, but he said that when, when this king comes, he's going to tear up ground. He's going to wreak havoc upon the kingdoms and kings of this old earth. And he's going to leave it shattered in pieces. He said it's going to be like a huge stone that's cut out of the mountain. It's just going to rumble down and crush into pieces the minor that seems so major the kingdoms of this world. There's no way we can even compare when we think about Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, we think about the Medes and Persians' kingdom, we think about the, the kingdoms of the Greeks and the Romans and, and the different nations of this world that seem to have risen to high power, even to the position of which the United States is in this hour. And we think with all of our military might, with all of our missiles and all of our planes and all of our powers and all of our soldiers and all of our technology. <laughs> but when the king comes, it's going to be like a huge rock rolling down the mountain. It's going to crush even this system of this world. And that's what he wants him to know. Now, I don't really know exactly how this prayer meeting goes in verse number 18. They desire the mercies of the God of heaven. They pray. And then verse 19, the secret is revealed. But uh, can you imagine the uh, 
urgency of this prayer request in this hour, the king has already sent a decree kill the wise men, and that includes Daniel and his friends. And so this was not a lay-me-down-to-sleep prayer. They, they wasn't fiddling around. They went in before God, and they said, Lord, would you show us, would you reveal to us what this mystery's all about? And God began to unfold it in their minds and in their hearts. Can you imagine that when these mysteries began to go poof? And they began to, it's kind of like when I first saw the truth that Jesus died for me. I can remember those days, Brother Charles, when I first, oh, we get numb to those things sometimes. But how thrilling it was when I heard the gospel that Je I didn't just hear it with these ears, but the Holy Ghost brought it into my heart. And time since then, when God's unlocked the mysteries of the truths of his word to my soul in this old world of confusion and darkness, and they're praying, agonizing with God, and God rumbles it over the soul of Daniel. <laughs> and I don't know if he gave him all of it at one time or if he prayed a little while. Maybe God, I don't know how. But I do know it came in sections. Even if it came all at once, it was unfolded that there was the, the first kingdom, the second kingdom, the third kingdom, the fourth kingdom. And I can see him, boy, how excited as, as he comes to this revelation, to this truth. And he looks to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He said, there's hope, boys. God has come through. I can see now what that dream was all about. I said, oh, Daniel, tell us, tell us. We want to hear. <laughs> he said, well, oddly enough, he said, do you know that head of gold? He said, that head of gold... God has showed me, and that's what the Bible said. He gave him the understanding. said, that head of gold represents our king. They said, it does. He said, yeah. Well, said, is that all there is? Oh, no, no, no. He said, that's just the beginning. Yeah. said, I saw in that how God had raised him up and give him all of this power, all of this authority to rule the world. But he said, boys, this ain't the end of it. There's coming another one said uh, there, there, there is an image that he sees that Nebuchadnezzar saw last night. And not only was this image like a man with a head of gold, but it had a, it had a breast and shoulders uh, of silver. Yeah. But he said what that represents is, is he's not going to be king forever. There's going to come another kingdom called the Medes and the Persians. They came during Daniel's day in chapter number 5 and took that thing over. They said, another kingdom? We don't like this one. Oh, but he said, boys, hold on. He said, there's another part. He said, there's, there, there, there's, a, there's a third kingdom. They said, what do you mean? He said, well, then you've got the, the thighs uh, that, that are made of brass. And said, that's a representation that there's going to come a third kingdom. Now, Daniel didn't know the fullness of that, but we know that there was another world kingdom. It was the Grecian Empire. And hey, I can see the discouragement on their face now. My Lord, I, I hate this one. You got me, we got to go through two more. Don't you feel that way about this world sometimes? Amen. Wouldn't you hate to think that she's going to die and go to another one of these? 
He said, oh, no, hold up, boys. I'm not even, I'm not even near done. He said, there, there's, there's the legs and feet of brass and part of clay. And said, uh, I, I, I could see that there's even coming a fourth kingdom, and that fourth kingdom is going to be divided up into two powers. Talking about the Roman, east and west of the Roman Empire. And boy, they're really down now. They said, man, this sermon's killing us. We don't want to hear no more. Oh, but he said... That ain't what this dream's all about. He said God wouldn't tell Nebuchadnezzar just so he could understand about a Babylonian kingdom. He wasn't just trying to talk about a, a, a Median Persian Empire or a Grecian Empire, a Roman Empire, but he said, children, the great unfolding truth and revelation of this mystery is there's coming a fifth king. And he's going to come as king of kings and land of lords and he's going to wipe out all these other kingdoms. They said, hallelujah. We finally got to the part we like. The big king is coming. And so now Daniel's got it, the job of going in and telling the king that, that he's not king, but that there's coming a king. And so in this mystery, there is this revelation of a fifth king. There is the revelation of a future king. There is a revelation of a final king. But can I say to you tonight, if he has been revealed to you, it is not because he wants to be the fifth king, and the future king, and the final king. He wants to be the only king. Now, I know in this book of Daniel, we could take it this week and, boy, we could deal some in the unfolding eschatologies and prophecies of the future and how Jesus is coming. But he hadn't sent me here this week necessarily to tell you he's coming, though he is. He sent me to tell you he's here. And the truth of the matter is, he's here to be king now, not to wait for him to be king out there. And if he's not king now, honey, you don't want to face him when he comes back as king. The great unfolding mystery and question of it all is, who's king? Well, let me ask you that question. Who's running the show at your house? Who's king again on the job? Who is it that's king in your life? Psalm chapter number 2 Verse 6 said, Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. Who is king? I will declare the decree. The Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's clay. Be wise, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and ye perish from the way. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm sort of interested and Jesus being king in my heart now. I don't want to face all the confusions and things of this old world. 
He's brought Daniel. He has moved Daniel with the movements of Babylon to a place of mysteries so that he could show him who he really was. He said, Daniel, I've got you over here to show you I'm the real king. I'm the one in charge. 